Hello and welcome. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'll be reviewing the April market commentary provided by David M. Darst, Chief Investment Officer with Americana Partners. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. The first section I will be covering is called Where We Are. Please note that any charts or graphics referenced are available by request through our website. Let's begin. With the unfolding of the Russo-Ukrainian crisis, the commencement of monetary policy interest rate tightening by the Federal Reserve, widespread concerns over shortage-induced price increases for energy and food, and further COVID-related lockdowns and restrictions in China, the month of March 2022 has produced a meaningful degree of fluctuation in financial market conditions. To cite just two examples, one, after declining negative 3.0% on March 7, the S&P 500 rose positive 2.6% on March 9, for a total price swing of positive 5.6% in 48 hours, and two, the closing level of the VIX index, a popular measure of the stock market's expectation of volatility based on S&P 500 index options, traced out a notably wide range during the month, from a zenith of 36.45 on March 7 to a nadir of 18.90 on March 29. Notwithstanding the news headlines inciting considerable moves in equities prices, bond yields, volatility readings, and currency exchange rates, the S&P 500's total five-week price change since its 4,520.16 close on Thursday, February 24, the day of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, amounted to a minuscule positive 0.2% through its Thursday, March 31st close of 4,530.41. In many respects, March's admixture of variability and quiescence has seemed to foreshadow and encompass the sometimes showery and windy, sometimes sunny and balmy days of April, as matchlessly described by William Shakespeare, 1564-1616, in Act I of The Two Gentlemen of Verona, in his telling, Oh, how the spring of love resembleth, the uncertain glory of an April day, which now shows all the beauty of the sun, and by and by a cloud takes all away. Shakespeare appears to have had a special fondness for the year's fourth month. In Act One of Midsummer Night's Dream, when wheat is green, when hawthorn buds appear, as no other month is mentioned half as often in his oeuvre as April. As investors enter the fourth month of 2022, on average, over the 94 years from 1928 through 2021 inclusive, the month of April, with its historical positive 1.5% price return for the S&P 500, places second best among the 12 months in the 9-plus decadal monthly performance ranking. In March, the S&P 500 rose positive 3.6%, following a negative 5.3% decline in January and a fall of negative 3.1% in February, with the Nasdaq Composite rising positive 3.4% in March after declining negative 3.4% in February and falling negative 9.0% in January. After declining negative 9.7% in January, the Russell 2000 Index of Small and Mid-Cap Companies rose positive 1.0% in February and increased positive 1.1% in March. Over the course of March, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil prices rose positive 4.8% from $95.72 per barrel on February 28 to $100.28 per barrel on March 31st. The global oil demand side continues to reflect momentum in the global economy, fuel shortages, 
currently low levels of inventories and spare capacity, and precautionary buying, while on the supply side one, the Russia-Ukraine conflict has exposed significant actual and potential supply disruptions. Two, several nations, especially the U.S., and including certain allies, have launched the release of crude oil from the respective strategic petroleum reserves. Three, Iran continues with the nuclear talks begun on November 29th, which could in theory increase the supply of Iranian oil officially entering global oil markets if economic sanctions on Iran are relaxed. Four, facing pressure from investors to moderate growth and address their emissions amid concerns about increasing regulations and climate change. Large U.S. and European oil companies have continued to spend sparingly to boost production even as certain major oil companies have halted and or completely exited their Russian activity. Five, consolidating U.S. shale producers have exercised financial probity, have not excessively increased output in reaction to higher crude prices, have followed production discipline and exerted capital spending restraint, and six, following the 27th, OPEC and non-OPEC ministerial meeting via video conference on Thursday, March 31st, the group which includes Saudi Arabia, Russia, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Iraq, and other countries agreed to slightly augment their pace of monthly output increases to an agreed pace of 432,000 barrels per day from May 1st. The 28th OPEC Plus ministerial meeting is scheduled for Thursday, May 5th. During March, the U.S. dollar rose positive 1.6% versus the DXY index, comprised of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, British pound, Canadian dollar, Swiss franc, and Swedish krona. On March 31st, the DXY index was 98.31, up positive 2.4% from its close of 95.97 on December 31, 2021. Despite being somewhat challenged by competition from higher short-term interest rates over the course of the past month, the daily spot gold price as logged by USA Gold closed at $1,949.20 per troy ounce on March 31st, up positive 2.6% during March and up positive 6.7% from its close of $1,795 per troy ounce on January 31st. Now let's discuss March month and closing yield levels for two-year, 10-year, and 30-year U.S. Treasury securities and the year-to-date 2022 yield level changes expressed in basis points. For two-year U.S. Treasury securities, after rising 45 basis points in January, 26 basis points in February, and 84 basis points in March, yields reached 2.28%, at month end where they are up 155 basis points since their closing level of 0.73% on December 31, 2021. Financial market participants have begun increasingly pricing an even faster pace of policy interest rate increases in 2022, with two-year U.S. Treasury yields rising, even as they have simultaneously been expressing concerns that removing monetary accommodation too quickly might actually slow economic growth with 10-year U.S. Treasury yields and 30-year U.S. Treasury yields rising at a considerably less rapid rate. For 10-year U.S. Treasury securities, after rising 27 basis points in January, rising 4 basis points in February, and rising 49 basis points in March, yields reached 2.32% at the end of March, where they are up 80 basis points since their closing level of 1.52% on December 31, 2021. 
for 30-year U.S. Treasury securities after increasing 21 basis points in January, rising 6 basis points in February, and rising by 27 basis points in March, yields reached 2.44% at the end of March, where they are up 54 basis points since their closing level of 1.90% on December 31, 2021. Now let's discuss several of the factors likely to exert meaningful influence on financial asset prices. 1. Likelihood of slower economic growth and higher PCE inflation. Four times a year, the Federal Reserve Policymaking Body, the Federal Open Market Committee, FOMC, releases a summary of Federal Reserve Board members and Federal Reserve Bank presidents' economic projections under their individual assumptions of projected appropriate monetary policy for 1. GDP growth, 2. The unemployment rate. 3. Headline and core, excluding food and energy, personal consumption expenditures, PCE, inflation, and 4. The appropriate monetary policy, Fed funds target interest rate. According to the Federal Reserve, appropriate monetary policy is considered to be the future path of policies that each participant deems most likely to foster outcomes for economic activity and inflation that best satisfy his or her individual interpretation of the Fed's statutory mandate to promote maximum employment and price stability. The projections furnish information on the values that participants consider to be most likely to prevail in the current year, in the two succeeding years, and over the longer run. Following its two-day meeting on March 15th through the 16th, the FOMC issued its revised Summary of Economic Projections, SEP, in effect updating the SEP issued at the conclusion of the FOMC meeting of December 14th and 15th, 2021. The median economic projections of FOMC members, with the median representing the middle projection when the projections are arranged from lowest to highest, projections of change in U.S. real GDP, and for both measures of personal consumption expenditures inflation, represent percent changes from the fourth quarter of the prior year to the fourth quarter of the year indicated. Reflecting some degree of disruption to consumer spending and industrial output from higher energy prices and the Omicron variant of the coronavirus, a lesser degree of fiscal stimulus from the federal government, tightening monetary policy conditions, and heightened geopolitical uncertainties effects on households and business sentiment. As of March, real GDP is projected to grow positive 2.8% in 2022, down from positive 4.0% in the FOMC's December projection. The median projection of 2023 GDP growth is positive 2.2% and positive 2.0% in 2024, unchanged from December's projections. As of mid-March, the average civilian unemployment is projected to be 3.5% in fourth quarter 2022, unchanged from the December projection. 3.5% in fourth quarter 2023, unchanged from the December projection, and 3.6% in fourth quarter 2024, up positive 0.1 percentage point from the December projection. Reflecting ongoing supply chain disruptions, tight labor supply, and elevated price increases for food, energy, electricity, and shelter, headline personal consumption's expenditures inflation is projected to be positive 4.3% in 2022, positive 2.7% in 2023, and positive 2.3% in 2024, up from December projections of positive 2.6% for 2022, positive 2.3% for 2023, and positive 2.1% for 2024, 
core, excluding food and energy, PCE inflation is expected to be positive 4.1% in 2022, positive 2.6% in 2023, and positive 2.3% in 2024, up from December projections of positive 2.7% for 2022, positive 2.3% for 2023, and positive 2.1% for 2024. As a result of these lowered economic growth projections and increased inflation projections, as of March, the value of the midpoint of the projected appropriate target rate for the federal funds rate is 1.875%. For the end of calendar year 2022, 2.750% for the end of calendar 2023, and 2.750% for the end of calendar 2024, up from December's projections of 0.875% for end of calendar year 2022, 1.625% for the end of calendar 2023, and 2.125% for the end of calendar 2024. To our way of thinking, within a balanced equities exposure of approximately equal weighting to growth value and defensive sectors, investors will want to focus on price-making rather than price-taking companies that can maintain or increase profit margins companies that can flourish in a rising interest rate environment, and companies that benefit from higher levels in the general price index. 2. Consumer Inflation Expectations Launched in 2013, the New York Federal Reserve Bank's Survey of Consumer Expectations, SCE, is a monthly, nationally representative, internet-based survey of a rotating panel of approximately 1,300 heads of household. The survey seeks responses to expectations about economic outcomes related to inflation, the labor market, and household finance, together with subjective expectations for variables, including not only future inflation, but also data on the individual's forecast uncertainty. The survey tracks respondents' age, income, education, home ownership status, employment history, region, and level of numeracy. Respondents participate in the survey for up to 12 months with a roughly equal number rotating in and out of the survey each month. In contrast to similar surveys that are based on repeated cross-sections, with a different set of respondents in each survey, the SCE's approach enables observation of changes in expectations and behavior of the same respondent over time. According to the New York Fed's SCE over the past two years, consumers have begun to expect short-term and intermediate-term inflation to behave differently in the post-pandemic era than in immediately preceding years. In response to rising rates of consumer price inflation in 2021, survey respondents have increased their one-year inflation expectations from a 2015-2020 range of positive 2.5 to 3.0 percent to positive 6.0 percent as of February 2022. At the same time, respondents' three-year inflation expectations have essentially fluctuated within a positive 2.5 to 3.0 percent channel for 2014 through 2020 in 2021 have risen somewhat less dramatically, reaching positive 3.8% as of February 2022. Investors and policymakers are monitoring these readings of short-term and longer-term inflation expectations to ascertain whether high near-term inflation becomes embedded into longer-term inflation expectations. Such an outcome could potentially likely add to wage pressures and thereby render inflation more persistent. In response, it is likely that monetary policy would have to become even more restrictive via meaningfully higher interest rates, exerting downward pressure not only on the general price level, but also on the real economy. We would view a sustained move upward in three-year inflation expectations as a warning sign of notably tighter monetary policy. 3. Path and Magnitude of Monetary Policy Rate Hikes 
The February Consumer Price Index rose positive 0.8% month-over-month and positive 7.9% year-over-year. And the February Producer Price Index increased positive 0.8% month-over-month and positive 10.0% year-over-year, for both indices the fastest pace in four decades. In a March 21 speech to the National Bureau of Business Economics, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome H. Powell, noting the very strong labor market, the previously hoped-for transitory supply-side price relief not yet coming to pass, Ukraine war-induced oil and gas price spike, and other commodity disruptions, indicated that the Fed is prepared to more quickly withdraw support from the economy if necessary to suppress high rates of inflation. Chair Powell also left the possibility of 50 basis point hikes on the table for coming FOMC meetings. As a result, even though the FOMC had raised policy interest rates by 0.25% on March 16th and had forecast six increases of similar size by year-end 2022, Fed funds' future markets have begun to price in a potentially more restrictive stance. As of mid-March, financial markets were pricing in an additional eight to nine policy rate hikes through the end of the year. Such a course of acceleration in rate hikes, as fund futures are now indicating, would imply a rise in the Fed funds target rate to the 2.25 to 2.50% range or above by year end. To bring inflation under control in past Fed tightening cycles has usually required a target Fed funds rate above the inflation rate. In our opinion, investors, corporate managers, and consumers should thus expand their consideration of considerably more rate hikes then reflected in current market pricing. Investors need to be vigilant as to the potentially deleterious effects of rising interest rates on one, bond prices, because if interest rates increase, investors will no longer prefer the lower fixed interest paid by a bond, resulting in a decline in its price, and two, equity prices, since such tightened conditions can cause a slowdown or even a contraction in economic growth, lowering corporate profits and the earnings multiple applied to such earnings. It is also important to keep in mind that the Federal Reserve has already announced plans, possibly commencing as early as the next FOMC meeting scheduled for May 3rd through the 4th, to begin reducing its massive portfolio holdings of U.S. Treasury and mortgage-backed bonds, which as of September 29, 2021, amounted to $8.5 trillion. This process, also known as quantitative tightening, takes place by allowing securities to mature, by not reinvesting coupon inflows, or even by active sales from the portfolio, which has the effect of creating further upward pressure on borrowing costs and mortgage interest rates. Selectivity and discernment are called for in such an environment, since rising interest rates tend to be a positive influence on financial institutions, share prices while generally effectuating detrimental consequences on P.E. multiples and on intermediate and long-term fixed-income securities prices. 4. U.S. Treasury 10-Year 2-Year Interest Rate Spread As generally defined, the phrase U.S. Treasury yield curve refers to the relationship between the short- and long-term interest rates of bills, notes, and bonds issued by the U.S. Treasury. Under normal conditions, debt with longer maturities typically carries higher interest rates than nearer-term issues. An inverted yield curve is considered unusual when short-term U.S. Treasury securities have higher yields than long-term U.S. Treasury securities and in the past, has been viewed as a reasonably reliable though not 100% perfect predictor of a pending economic recession. Traditionally, higher short-term interest rates have been an indicator of tightening monetary policy, and when combined with an unsettled economic outlook, has prompted investors to buy intermediate and or long-term bonds and drive down yields. 
An inverted yield curve in U.S. Treasuries is considered to have predicted every recession since 1955, with only one false signal during that time in 1998. Although it is possible to experience a yield curve inversion without an ensuing recession, no recession since 1955 has occurred without an inverted yield curve. Structural factors, the shape, character, and length of economic expansions, the Fed's portfolio holdings, and foreign capital flows into or out of U.S. Treasury securities can influence the depth and duration of inverted yield curves. While some analysts prefer to focus on the difference between 3-month and 10-year U.S. Treasury yields, and others prefer the 30-year, 5-year spread or the 10-year, 3-year spread, owing to its wide public attention and media usage, we have tended to focus on the U.S. Treasury 10-year, 2-year yield curve difference. The 30-year, 5-year spread, the 10-year, 2-year spread, and the 10-year, 3-year spread tend to follow similar patterns. With the 10-year, 3-year spread having already having inverted, with 3-year U.S. Treasury yields 5.19 basis points below 10-year U.S. Treasury yields as of the third week of March, and the 10-year, 2-year having inverted on an intraday basis on Wednesday, March 30th, and during the day as well as at the close of trading on Friday, April 1st. Important caveats to keep in mind include the fact that 1. The slope of the yield curve has become so well publicized and closely monitored that its forecasting efficacy may have been somewhat diminished. 2. Financial market participants have differing opinions over the predictive accuracy of deep versus shallow yield curve inversions and most importantly, 3. The timing between a yield curve inversion and a recession can vary considerably. The 10-year, 2-year government bond spread has declined from 160 basis points in first quarter 2021 to 79 basis points on December 31 and 14.56 basis points as of the third week in March. Such movements call for positioning portfolios and allocating assets to defend against and, where possible, benefit from an economic recession. Even though it bears repeating that the time interval between a yield curve inversion and the onset of a recession can vary greatly, if in fact a recession does occur. 5. Beneath the surface stock price erosion on March 8, the S&P 500 index closed at 4,170.70, representing a year-to-date decline of negative 12.5% and a price weakness of negative 13.0% versus its 52-week closing high of 4,796.56, reached on January 3, 2022. As of that March 8th nadir, for the S&P 500 index as a whole, the average stock in the S&P 500 was down even more from its 52-week high at negative 21%. Many other equity indices The average stock deterioration versus its 52-week high was even more widespread. 1. For the Russell 1000, negative 26%. 2. For the Russell 2000, negative 41%. 3. For the Russell 3000, negative 36%. 4. For the Russell 1000 growth index, negative 34%. 5. For the NASDAQ 100, representing 100 of the largest non-financial companies listed on the NASDAQ stock market, negative 30%. And six, for the NASDAQ Composite Index, consisting of 2,485 securities as of December 31, 2000, negative 46%. In our opinion, bullish and bearish inferences can be drawn from this intra-index price enfeeblement. Bullish securities analysts and investment strategists 
point to the fact that a fair amount of substantial price damage has already occurred at a deeper level than reflected merely in the respective indices, in the process diminishing the speculative spirits that have been so generously encountered in the equity sphere. At the same time, those adopting a bearish interpretation cite such price erosion as simply the initial stages of more widespread price weakness ahead. To our way of thinking, both points of view have a considerable degree of validity, and it is important to recognize that while some of the speculative froth has abated in equities pricing, many sectors and companies' valuations remain high on a historical basis. In such a context, we reiterate our emphasis on discipline and discernment in emphasizing quality and long-term staying power in portfolio construction. 6. Implications of the Russian Invasion of Ukraine reflecting increased equity bond and foreign exchange volatility and heightened anxiety since the February 24 Russian invasion of Ukraine, financial markets, global economic data, and worldwide public opinion have been highly sensitive to mainstream and web-based news accounts of the conflict. It is fair to say that the first weeks of the incursion have not unfolded as Russia had anticipated. Despite intensive profligate shelling attacks and bombardment, Ukraine has, to some degree bolstered by shipments of air defense and anti-tank weapons, Intelligence sharing and other aid inflicted significant military casualties on the invading Russian forces. The horrific wartime conditions have led to severe shortages of food, water, and medicine in many parts of the country and have caused several million Ukrainian refugees to flee into neighboring countries. By the fourth week of March, after more than a month of fighting, possible outcomes have remained difficult to predict, ranging from one, de-escalation and ceasefire, to two, an entrenched conflict, and a lengthy war of attrition to three, a serious spillover into a much wider conflict involving many more nations. Financial and commodity asset prices have thus far been significantly driven by reports of bargaining positions, governmental pronouncements, potential ceasefire discussions, and frequently the next day repudiation thereof. More intensive cyber warfare attacks on local and intercontinental resources have remained a constant threat. Senior NATO officials have warned Russia against the use of chemical, biological, radiologic, or nuclear weapons in a significant unknown remains as to what specific thresholds would prompt further escalation and more direct confrontation with the NATO alliance. Among a range of outcomes in its initial phases, the conflict has led to, one, much stricter than expected financial sanctions imposed by a newly cohesive European Union, the United Kingdom, the United States, and several other nations on the Russian government, central bank, companies, and specific individuals. Three, export and import limits or outright bans on trade, capital flows, and commercial activity. Three, neutral, abstaining, or Russia-leaning pronouncements or activity by China, India, and certain other countries. 4. Severe disruptions to many global supply and demand channels for energy, industrial and precious metals, agricultural commodities, livestock, conventional and hybrid seeds, fertilizer, and numerous components of and final outputs of manufactured goods. 5. Disruption to the deeply intertwined and critically important global ecosystem of semiconductor chip design, software tools, production equipment, and fabrication facilities. And 6 significant flight-to-safety capital flows out of perceived high-risk currencies and assets, thence into perceived low-risk currencies and assets. Faced with such a challenging set of background conditions, we believe it is prudent for investors to carefully consider the historically inflationary conditions that follow wartime activity, in addition to the inestimable human suffering, the tragic loss of life, 
and the enormous physical and psychological damage wreaked upon global confidence and economic activity, financial market participants may anticipate a heightened degree of concern about inflation and the resultant hawkish rhetoric and actions by central bankers in the U.S., Canada, the United Kingdom, and Australia. At the same time, Western European authorities are likely to be seeking to provide stimulus to counterbalance the negative economic and societal fallout in Europe from the conflict. Revenue, profitability, and employment levels of many multinational enterprises may be harmed, even as post-conflict significant flows of capital and goods will be required for infrastructure reconstruction and the remediation of water, air, and ground pollution in the military theater. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning. Portfolio Positioning Strategies Following the S&P 500's well-above-average total return performance of positive 31.5% in 2019, positive 18.4% in 2020, and positive 28.7% in 2021, and in the current environment of 1. Monetary Policy Transition, 2. Slowing yet still above-average economic expansion, and 3. Upwardly Trending Inflation, We believe that careful thought, planning, and attention needs to be devoted to the investor's most appropriate forms and vehicles for implementing the fundamental elements of asset allocation and investment strategy, which include 1. Diversification. While it does not by any means guarantee a profit or insure against a loss, diversification means including low and negatively correlated investment exposures that truly counterbalance price movements in other assets particularly during times of great financial stress and or rising financial asset volatility to rebalancing, which encompasses judiciously using concepts of reversion to the mean and market price dislocations to trim exposures to assets that have grown to represent too large a portion of the overall portfolio, while at the same time adding exposures to high-quality assets that have fallen out of investor favor and suffered significant, though deemed not permanent, price declines versus intrinsic value. 3. Risk management, which involves recognizing when markets have become consumed by unrealistic expectations, meme securities, excessive speculation, momentum plays, story stocks, and information overload, a situation that has pertained at various times in recent experience to a number of companies in certain parts of the cryptocurrency realm and the technology spectrum, and understanding the degree of liquidity, the true pricing realism, and the appropriate roles of short-term liquid securities, real assets, financial assets, and alternative assets during intervals of geopolitical disturbance and especially, in decades long or longer, regimes of inflation, stagflation, deflation, monetary disruptions, and currency resets. 4. Reinvestment, which encompasses knowing when to emphasize and trade off income return versus capital growth, all the while keeping in mind the critical importance of discipline, equanimity, patience, perspective, cost, consciousness, tax awareness, and longevity in capturing and compounding dividend, coupon, rental, maturing securities, and other forms of incoming capital flows, and five, asset protection and husbandry, which encompass considerations of current and likely future income, wealth, and capital gains taxation at the state, local, federal, and possibly international level, estate planning, relevant insurance design and structuring, cybersecurity shielding, portfolio monitoring and reporting, administrative expenses, forms, frequency, and means of asset access and asset custody. Portfolio Positioning Principles With roughly equal weightings to growth to value to defensive-style rubrics, we continue to allocate an important exposure to equities. 
with prudent shifts between style sectors, geographies, and, where appropriate from a cost, timing, tax liquidity, and size standpoint, public versus private markets. Expressed are a number of themes that we believe should be taken into consideration over the next few years in selecting asset categories, asset classes, asset managers, sectors, companies, and security types. 1. Paying attention to the value of money. Taking advantage of, rather than being taken advantage by, the consequences of money printing, internal and external currency debasement, government debt monetization, and the modern monetary theory approach that to some degree in the pandemic response era was pursued by the authorities, within shifting money and credit cycles to service America's massive explicit government and corporate indebtedness and the enormous implicit obligations of pension and healthcare promises, too, concentrating on all weather sectors and companies seeking investments with balance and flexibility that are able to thrive regardless of which political persuasion informs the thinking and policies of the White House, Congress, the judiciary, the state legislatures, and relevant domestic and international regulatory authorities, evolving environmental, social, and governance priorities and values, wealth distribution initiatives and public health conditions, episodes of geopolitical tension, such as have especially pertained in recent weeks, Entente and detente and wider socioeconomic trends. 3. Distinguishing between temporary and permanent change, focusing on the commercial and financial implications of new social and political power structures, alliances, and global associations, new energy sources and resources, new trade channels, new on- and offshoring structures, new cost, logistical, supply chain, and transportation modalities, new work-from-home and work-from-anywhere employment methods, and new business models, pathways, digitalizations, and forms of person-to-person and business-to-business work, leisure, learning, and wellness activity. 4. Taking advantage of demographic tailwinds. Through U.S. and select non-U.S. companies, recognizing shifts in consumer and business preferences and gaining exposure to, and meeting the rising needs, aspirations, and appropriate spending power of the expanding global middle class. 5. Comprehending and verifying past success. Emphasizing companies and sectors that have demonstrated successful track records and past experience in competitive preeminence, abundant free cash flow generation, capital allocation skill, balance sheet strength, risk management, sustainably defendable business models, and the ability to sustain high multi-year returns on equity derived from revenue growth and favorable margin preservation rather than through disproportionately high levels of leverage meaningfully above the companies and sectors weighted average cost of capital, and six, identifying innovative and disruptive technology hegemons. Selectively and with discernment focusing on technology enablers, disruptors, and dominators in such fields as diagnostics, biotechnology, and therapeutics based on CRISPR, weight management and well-being, public health, medical nutrition, regenerative medicine, artificial intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, 5G cellular network technology, the Internet of Things, infrastructure, robotics, retraining, quantum computing, battery inventions, alternative energy, virtual reality and augmented reality devices, hypersonic aviation, electric vehicles, and cybersecurity, while not least also taking account of the environmental, social, and governance risks, aspirations, and initiatives of companies in these and other fields. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning tactics. One, keeping things in perspective. Many of the overarching themes and conditions that influence our intermediate and long-term asset allocation and investment strategy emphasize the need to recognize that the concepts and implementation methods intended to achieve safety, balance, purchasing power protection, diversification, and liquidity are likely to face evolving and sometimes rapidly shifting taxation regimes, 
regulatory architectures, social priorities, geopolitical power relationships, price level changes, demographic trends, indebtedness levels, technological penetration and usages, financial structures, currency systems, and importantly, perceptions of the definition, role, degree of physicality, embodiment, and value of money itself. Two, flexibility versus conviction in formulating investment thinking, in seeking to determine when to adhere to and when to lean against prevailing consensus views. Such views may sometimes be pejoratively referred to as groupthink. It is important to critically question the soundness and durability of the reasoning and assumptions underlying a given investment framework and positioning at any point in time. While at times may not make sense to hold out of consensus views, often expressed as fighting the tape, at other times, especially at major cyclical or secular turning points, at a significant asset top, when reality is finally found to fall short of prevailing overly optimistic expectations, or major asset bottom, when reality is shown to be worth considerably more than prevailingly overly pessimistic expectations. The rewards of implementing a contrarian stance can be quite meaningful. Three, enhancing and preserving, even with some of the speculative fervor having already diminished in certain areas of the financial realm, we still confess to a degree of unease over numerous lingering manifestations of investor exuberance and the popularity of certain securities and sectors considered to be forever holdings. Our short-term inclination at this juncture is to take note of the Federal Reserve's explicit policy measures to rein in inflation, while taking advantage of episodes of asset price strength to continue the course of upgrading positions, offloading lower quality, higher risk assets, and with timing and price discipline, adding to attractively priced, higher quality assets on equity market pullbacks. It is worth keeping in mind that the average year includes three separate negative 5% or more pullbacks for the S&P 500 with only one taking place in 2021, and one greater than negative 10% correction having taken place thus far in 2022. With the cessation of Federal Reserve asset purchases underway and quantitative tightening Federal Reserve balance sheet reduction about to commence, slowing growth in China and in view of our expectation of bouts of increased asset price volatility in the months ahead, prudence counsels being vigilantly aware of the narrow market breadth, along with the meaningful price erosion beneath the surface of the Russell 2000, NASDAQ composite, and even the S&P 500 indices while seeking to take advantage of such retrenchments as a key element influencing significant new capital commitments for equity emphases and de-emphases in the current conditions of rising U.S. Treasury interest rates. Particularly at the short end of the maturity spectrum, to us it appears likely that cash-generating, financially stable companies with robust growth prospects, which are able to operate and thrive against a distinctively unsettled geopolitical backdrop and in the digital sphere as they continue to enhance their business models, deserve to retain some degree of evaluation premium. Within Equities 1, we recommend continuing to gradually shift emphasis from growth sectors, companies, and managers to the inclusion of select value and defensive sectors, companies, and managers, with a focus on energy, industrials, select financials, materials, COVID recovery, reopening, and consumer staple sectors, and a concomitant de-emphasis on companies and sectors dependent on access to low-cost energy, too. We continue to counsel very selectively adding small and mid-cap companies or investment managers specializing in and with good track records in the space to our primary emphasis on large capitalization enterprises and three. For the time being, while we continue to prefer a tactical overweighting to U.S. domestic equities with pullbacks such as those encountered in early March, viewed as an opportunity to sensibly add equities, particularly those sectors and companies likely to thrive in a less predictable economic environment. We also espouse holding or gradually building relatively modest allocations to global leaders listed in international markets. Five, 
Focus on strength and quality. Our long-term equity portfolio weightings continue to emphasize asset manager sectors and specific companies that can benefit from the major sustained trends of the 2020-2030 decade, including one, incremental growth in a wide range of economic circumstances, two, a focus on economic and infrastructure repair, digitalization, e-commerce, personal wellness, safety, domesticity, home improvement, and sustainable consumer demand, and three, advantageous capture of benefits from onshoring supply chain redesign and deglobalization as important drivers of capital spending and disruptive innovation. At the company level in equities, we emphasize identifying and building long-term exposure to firms possessing fortress-like, cash-rich balance sheets, prudence and balance sheet utilization, limited debt, consistency and durability of positive free cash flow generation, dividend strength and competitive business models with abiding competitive advantages, high barriers to entry, low threat of substitute products, and enduring pricing power vis-a-vis suppliers and or customers. That over a long time frame can generate high returns on equity through revenue growth and sustainable profit margins, rather than through unhealthily high levels of leverage. At the current time, we recommend that consideration be given to top quality companies in healthcare, consumer staples, and financial sectors. Six, balancing growth and value sectors. At its closing level of 2,791.44 on Thursday, March 31st, the price return of the Russell 1000 Growth Index symbol RLG and including companies in sectors such as technology, healthcare, and communication services was, according to the Wall Street Journal, down negative 9.2% from its December 31, 2021 closing level of 3,074.99. While the price return of the Russell 1000 Value Index, symbol RLV, and including companies in sectors such as financial, real estate, energy, utility, and industrial businesses was at its closing level of 1,642.89 on Thursday, March 31st, according to the Wall Street Journal, down negative 0.8% from its December 31st, 2021, closing level of 1,655.73. This 8.4 percentage point value minus growth returns differential appears to argue for continuing a degree of balanced exposure in selected value sectors, companies, and managers, as well as in selected growth sectors, companies, and managers. As this process continues, it is worth keeping in mind that true value investing represents identifying and owning assets that are training for less than they are actually worth, not assets that are merely inexpensive. Many superficially inexpensive assets may very well be inexpensive for a reason and can very well remain so or deteriorate further. 7. Fixed Income Securities Reflecting their largest quarterly price declines in more than three decades, the U.S. Treasury bond prices year-to-date through March 31st have declined negative 2.6% in the 1- to 3-year maturity range, negative 6.5% in the 7- to 10-year maturity range, and negative 10.9% in the above 20-year maturity range. Even though yield movements have ascended in the past month, they appear likely to exhibit further increases over the course of the coming months. And outside the United States, according to Bloomberg, In late March, a dramatically lower total of $2.7 trillion, down from $18 trillion in early 2021, was outstanding in global negative yielding sovereign and some corporate debt outstanding. We continue a preference for issuers at the high-quality end of the rating spectrum in both taxable investment-grade and high-yield bonds and in tax-exempt bonds where we see some pockets of value on a taxable equivalent basis. We view fixed-income securities as continuing to be subject to price risk due to our expectation of higher yields as 2022 progresses. And thus, we prefer maturities and durations along the short to intermediate portion of the yield curve spectrum. 8. U.S. Dollar Outlook After declining negative 9.9% in 2017, appreciating positive 4.4% in 2018, 
marginally gaining positive 0.4% in 2019 and declining negative 3.4% in 2020, the DXY US dollar index measured versus a basket of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, Swedish krona, British pound, Canadian dollar, and Swiss franc, had, as of its close of 95.97 on December 31st, appreciated positive 6.7% in 2021. On Thursday, March 31st, the DXY US dollar index had appreciated positive 2.4% year-to-date, closing at 98.31 over the next few quarters, given our expectations of the Federal Reserve, one, stepping up the pace of its projected policy interest rate increases, and two, commencing the process of reducing the size of its portfolio of U.S. Treasury and mortgage-backed securities, we believe the U.S. dollar may rise relative to major currencies, including the euro and Japanese yen. Eight, alternative investments and real assets. In alternative investments, we continue our multi-quarter focus that has for some time emphasized exposure to, one, commodities and real asset sectors of the economy, including industrial metals, agriculture, and materials, two, gold and or gold mining ETFs, shares, particularly those miners with reserves and stable geographic locations, capital discipline and cash flow growth, three, high-quality master-limited partnerships with strong business models and sustainable dividend-paying capacity, four, select investments in private credit and private real estate, five, and opportunistic strategies that are positioned to selectively derive meaningful value from dislocations created by geopolitical disorder and or potentially injurious mutations of the coronavirus, as well as the economic and profits recuperation therefrom. This concludes our April market commentary by David M. Darst. David is Americana Partners' Chief Investment Officer. We are available to answer questions you may have regarding the topics discussed. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. Thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. Stay invested. Stay invested.